Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, and we're back with Ayers on the Road just a bit this year, this week. We've been not, well, we have, have we ever been on the road? And it's been a unique kind of travel because we were staying down in southern Utah in the Red Rock country where we thought we could hibernate well. We have a house there, so we weren't breaking any rules. And our wonderful granddaughter, who was going to get married in Hawaii, in the Hawaiian temple, um, of course couldn't because she can't get back to Hawaii right now, which is where she usually lives. She's in Arizona with her parents. And uh, also all the temples closed. So suddenly they decided they better get married right away. And we were the reconnaissance team, Linda. We were the ones who went out to try to find the perfect spot on the Colorado River near Horseshoe Bend. So we were on the road Monday checking out six different possible beautiful sites to see if any of them would work for this incredible wedding. Um, It really was amazing. Um, It was amazing to be out because we've been cloistered for so long. And uh, it was... It was a great day, Monday. It was a beautiful, wonderful day. We're working up to yesterday. But also dead. No one was around anywhere. Parking lots. We had to go to Page, Arizona, which was halfway for one family and halfway for the other. There was just such a small group, just... Just the bride and groom and parents, basically. We wanted to look at Horseshoe Bend and at Antelope Canyon and at uh, just a bunch of beautiful Red Rock sites to see if we could find the, just the right one for this wedding. And we took pictures of them all and dropped pins and sent them to the bride and groom. And they they reviewed them and went on Google Earth and tried to figure out which one and finally settled on one called the Glen Canyon Dam Overlook, which is just spectacular. And so the wedding was set for yesterday. And uh, oh my goodness, I was so honored. They asked me to perform the wedding. I spent, (laughs) you ever seen me so diligent, honey? No, I have not. I spent the whole day on Wednesday just, you know, reading every wedding that had ever been done. And Including to, stupid jokes, <laughs> which you did not I use. I didn't use those, <laughs> thank goodness. Um, I could have. I mean, some of them were pretty funny, but we didn't think it was uh, appropriate to have any. Well, we had a little humor, but it was more spontaneous. Anyway, leading up to that, tell about yesterday, honey. And then we will get into a wonderful theme we have for this show that has to do with finding the silver linings of this coronavirus quarantine? Well, actually, this pandemic has been incredible. As all of you know, all over the world, we have kids in London and and in Zurich, as you know, but it has been crazy everywhere. And everything has been affected, including weddings. And um, boy, you know, this is part of the crisis for us because these kids were going to get married and then um, all the temples closed everything happened but what, if but, everything fell apart all the temples closed and then should we shouldn't we should we and then we realized it was just going to get worse and they were going to have to sit in their parents house for another month if we didn't just do it right now and so it was a three-day decision so what was what was what was it like yesterday linda what do you think i mean we're just we're talking about what happened yesterday we're still kind of glowing it really was 
an amazing event. Um, we right. had uh, we had found these two or three spots. Obviously, some of them were closed, but we had we just never saw another person, which was amazing. And we found a spot at what is called the. Glen. I mentioned that I told all about where the spot was, but I well, want you to tell about how we felt well, yesterday. What is my <laughs> feelings about that? Well, no, anyway, yeah, but it was. the feelings were to be in nature was spectacular. It was absolutely a marvelous experience, and it um, everybody stayed apart um, the whole time, and well, except bride and groom and the two sets of parents. And I stood at least ten, 10 feet away from he, him. He took his mask off just for the ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> you are really, really careful. We are paranoid about this. So, because we're old. And so we do have to be really, really careful. But And we were. But uh, it was a glorious moment. It well, was, it was a such a, For me, it was such an opportunity on this ceremony oh. itself. Because I, I have always, maybe I'm just sentimental, but I've always loved traditional, beautiful, old, time-proven uh, vows, wedding vows, and, and the traditional language used in, in Christendom for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so we were able to work in those beautiful words with some extensions of them reflecting our beliefs in, in eternity and in marriage that lasts forever. But words like dearly beloved and words like with this wing, with this ring, I the wed, and you know, just the beautiful wording of that ceremony and tying it all together. And then we tried to create some symbolism on this gorgeous place where they were, which may be the most sacred place you can be, other than a temple, would be to be in a beautiful creation of nature. And we had the dam, just at the, this beautiful Glen Canyon dam looking up one way right from this pinnacle where we were for the wedding and then the Colorado River flowing down on the other side so we're able to contrast the the amazing works of man with the even greater and vastly more awesome works of God contrasting a civil marriage which is what that was with a what we call a temple marriage which contrast the work of man versus the work of God and it was it was just spectacular and to watch those two beautiful people our our granddaughter Ellie or Wellesley is actually her full name and her her fiance now her husband Carson and I mean I'm just still glowing from it Linda it was the the sun was the sun was perfect the temperature was perfect the red yeah. rocks were vivid the family was was going between smiling and crying and wearing masks. And here's one amazing thing. These two kids both come from large families and from large families by their grandparents. So even though we didn't have any of them there at the wedding because we restricted it according to the Corona guidelines, but they represented so many cousins. Ellie, our granddaughter, has 66 cousins. That's incredible. It's, it's incredible. incredible. They come, they just have big families. Well, both and our daughter and, and, her, and, uh, he, and our son-in-law come from families of nine kids each. So 66 cousins. Right. And then you didn't tell about well, the groom's family. That's the amazing thing. We totaled it up the day before. 
66 cousins. It's a dead heat. They each have 66 amazing. cousins. We could not believe it. His mother comes from a family of 10. So you know what we did? And it's amazing what has happened in this world, what you can do virtually. All of our kids sent a cheer on Marco Polo. All of our kids and their kids and um, separately from wherever they were. They were in London, Zurich, Hawaii, um, everywhere. Just a cheer. A cheer for Ellie and, and Carson. This wonderful greetings from all over the world. It was really great, honey. And, you know, but think of that. 132. We, and we said this is a day of doubling. You had, before this day, if you know, you, you, bride, had 66 cousins. Now you've got 132. And groom, you had 66. Now you've, <laughs> you've now got 132 cousins. It was just a marvelous, marvelous day. It really was quite amazing. Um, there was a man there who... Um, the, Actually, he was sitting in his van reading a book when we got there, older man. We were hoping no one would be at the site. But he was there, and so I stopped and talked to him for a while. And he was so delightful. He said, you must be Mormon family. And I said, yeah, we are. Um, and I corrected him on the name. And then um, he said, I, I know some Mormon folks, and I think they're the greatest families. I just love them. So that was good to hear anyway. But um, it really was a remarkable event Um the spirit was there so thick. I think we had angels there. It was it was terrific. And those poor kids, this darling fiancé had been stuck in, well, I shouldn't say stuck, excuse me, nice place, in his in-laws' house for three weeks trying to figure out what to do. And uh, it just became so eminent, evident that we just had to do it. And it was just really perfect. Well, they're off on their honeymoon now, and we're sort of bathing in the afterglow. And I guess, I guess we felt justified to take that much time to tell you about this wedding, partly because it's the only thing we're thinking about right now, but also partly because it, it begins to lead into what we want to talk a little about today. I mean... This is an amazing weekend. We're uh, at a point where, as we approach Easter, this is Easter weekend, but it's also a time where we're involved in a worldwide fast and for, for this coronavirus and that we'll come out of it and that we'll overcome it and that we'll, the lives will be saved. And actually, it is also happens to be one of the most sacred days um, during the year on Earth, and that is... Good Friday. Good Friday. We're, we're recording this on Good Friday. We're Many of you will it. listen to it probably tomorrow or maybe on Easter. Or sometime this week, this Easter week. But it has been a remarkable experience for us. Um, our prophet, uh, Russell M. Nelson, called for a worldwide fast and prayer, a day of worldwide fasting and praying, and, and invited people of all faiths or even if you don't have faith, I mean, it is, it is, this pandemic is calls for prayer. And we are so grateful that he did that. So there are literally millions of people praying today on this Good Friday. We're in the midst of our fast. If we sound a little humble, we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, a little it is, hungry and a little humble. Well, it, it's incredible um, what can happen when, when someone realizes this is what we need and someone who's really in charge of asking for that. And so we're praying for everything, for 
the caregivers, the people who have lost people, people who are uh, deathly ill. And it is, I mean, we had a joyous moment through this, but there are so many people in deep sorrow over this, which is, is so sad. We lost a friend. We didn't know him really closely, but that is when it comes to you. That's when it really like comes a bolt. And it really, there's, we know so many people who have been affected, but no one who, except this one person who's actually died. And we send our love out to all of you because probably all of you know some somebody that's passed away. So what we're going to do in the second half of the show, I, I, we'll take a brief break in a minute, but we're going to talk about something that's a little delicate. We want to be careful how we approach it because we know what a tragedy this pandemic is for so many people, a personal tragedy. But I want to read you, um, going into the break, uh, something I wrote. I, I do a little post on Instagram every week on Christ and on one aspect of him and on how we can emulate his character and think about just one thing that particular week about him. And so this week it was on his healing power. Let me read you this and then we'll go right into the break and come back and talk about it. Um, the same Aramaic word that translates into Savior can also translate to mean healer. Christ saved us and he can also heal us. This is a time when we all need healing, each in our own individual and unique way. And we may also need a collective societal kind of healing. And just as we ask him to heal us from this virus, may we recognize he may also be healing us with this virus. Now, what do I mean by that? How can we say that this virus heals us? Well, in the second half, we're going to talk about some of the silver linings of this pandemic and how it can heal our character and our hearts. So hang on, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back on this most amazing day. And those of you, I'm obviously most of you have been listening on this podcast. And we, we want you to know, appreciate you and all the things that you've been through through this pandemic. But we do want to, we're going back to where we left off before the break. So the, the message I sent out on Instagram this week, um, as I mentioned, I do one each on some aspect of Christ each, each uh, Sunday and this past Sunday, it was on his healing, his healing power. And two of the little sentences were, um, may we, uh, we need a collective societal kind of healing. May we recognize that he may also be healing us with this virus. There are a lot of wonderful things coming out of this. There are people who are drawing closer to their families than ever before. There are people who are reprioritizing their lives. There are people who, because they have nowhere to go, there's no busyness, there's no rushing around, and many not even able to go to work. They're thinking harder, and I include us in this, about the priorities and the things that really matter than ever before. And Linda received a, a, a beautiful rendition or or way to say this sentiment that maybe we're healed by this, by this pandemic in a way. 
And maybe you want to tell who sent that and read it. Well, this is sent by Lori Boyer. We we have a thing going around that I just got hooked into of friends who are sharing uplifting thoughts during this really hard time. And um, I'm not sure if this is her thoughts or if somebody sent it to her, but um, this is an uplifting thought because, you know, we believe in Satan. I think most of the world does. We believe in Satan, and of course, we believe in... Most everyone believes in a force of light and a force of dark, so that's why that's why this particular quote is so powerful. Right, and during this Easter week, of course, we believe in Easter, so this is what she sent. Uh, conversation. Sa- Satan, I will cause anxiety, fear, and panic. I will shut down businesses, schools, places of worship, and sports events. I will cause economic turmoil. And this is the response. Jesus, I will bring together neighbors, restore family unity. I will bring dinner back to the kitchen table. I will help people slow down their lives and appreciate what really matters. I will teach my children to rely on me and not the world. I will teach my children to trust me and not their money and material resources. I think that's beautiful. It's something to think about, isn't it? If it? And whether you think of this in the personal terms of of Satan and Jesus saying these roles, or whether you think of it as sort of what two ways to view what's going on right now, the dark way and the light way. And or you could actually put Heavenly Father... And Heavenly Mother in that in that position too, because that's they're the ones that really are in charge. Here. Sure, but what I liked about it is you read it, Linda. You know, um, if if you were to just ask someone in a purely secular way, what what are what are the outgrowths of this pandemic? And maybe you'd have two people, an optimist and a pessimist, or two people, one who sees the dark side and one who sees the light side. And certainly, one would say, justifiably, anxiety, fear, panic, businesses closing down, the market going down, the places of worship are closed, no sports events, uh, economic turmoil. I mean, you could go on and on and on and on, and you'd be right. There'd be no arguing that those are things that are happening and have happened. And we're saying to each other, how did we get here? How, how could this be happening? We could not imagine we would be where we are. And if you add the family part, Linda, what, you know, the, the pessimist or the person, and we all feel this. I'm not saying it's wrong to feel these things. Well, my children are home all day. I don't know what to do with them. Uh, we're having more fighting in our family than ever before because we're all on top of each other. No one can escape. It just gets worse and worse. I mean, there's so many negative ways to view it but then the other side you know uh, neighbors coming together in neighborhoods even though they can't get close to each other waving through the window welcoming kids home uh, in, a, in a parade where, where they stay in their cars and and supporting each other in so many ways looking for ways to help each other uh, family dinners, dinner hours, people sitting down, talking, reevaluating. How's our family doing? What can we do better? Not only during this pandemic, but when it's over. How many of those things we were rushing around to do every day were really essential? How many of them are we kind of glad to be rid of? How are we going to structure our lives after this is over? Are we going to go back to the same 
busy rat race we were in, or are we going to be more selective in what we do and, and find more time to be together? Can we appreciate what really matters? Can we teach our children more? Can we rely more on the spiritual and less on the physical? Can we just be a little simpler, a little calmer, a little more deliberate in how we live our lives? You know, I don't think I'm ever going to be the same. I don't think it's ever going to be the same. The world hopefully will be better in a lot of ways because we have realized there's more than one way to do things. And how grateful are we for the Internet after really being giving it a bad rap for all these years. Wow, we have done amazing things on the Internet through this pandemic. Um, Zoom calls, we've been meeting with our uh, daughters and daughters-in-law. Uh, we're doing it once a week on a Zoom call. And it's just so fantastic because they're, I mean, one of them is up on the side of a mountain in the, in the Alps in a hut. And one is, two of them actually are in Hawaii, um, Stuck in Hawaii. Stuck in Hawaii. Good place to be stuck. A uh, really, really great place to be stuck. But um, it just happened. It's too long a story to tell, but they are both there. Say, In fact, one of them just left New York City, like literally a week before this started. And um, so, you know, there's so many amazing things that you can do on the Internet because we're connected. We're still connected, even yeah. though yeah. we are isolated. Yeah, and we're so grateful for that. And, you know, Linda, it occurs to me, it's like, I mean, here's a here's a novel way to think of it. And maybe maybe you're way ahead of me on this, you listeners. But uh, what if what if this came in a different context? What if God, what if the Almighty or what if the universe, however you want to think of it, called a, called a time out and said, hey, you know, we're going to put everything on hold for a couple of months maybe a little longer than that, if it takes a little longer. And what we want you to do during this hold, during this time out, is we want you to reevaluate. This is like an intermission. We're going to have a little intermission here where you think about your life up until this point, how you've been living it, what you've been prioritizing, where you're spending your time, how hassled you are, what you're doing that keeps you too busy, whether your relationships are being given enough attention, we're gonna we're gonna give you two or three months to to just pause. We're gonna stop the world here and let you get off for a little while and have you just give it some thought. And then when we start up the world again, we're gonna see if you want to take a little different approach to your life. I, I think if it had been put to to, to many people that way. People would have said, "Wow, wait a second! I get I get two or three months to just where, where my obligations are basically gone, and I can just really think about how I want to live the rest of my life." And the answer is yes. That's what that's what we're going to give you. You're going to have that time to really ponder it. And when we start time again, when we start the world spinning again, you're going to decide whether you want to re-enter it just like you were before the timeout or whether you want to re-enter it as a little different kind of a person with a different structure, a different way to approach priorities, and whether you want to change some things about how you live and what matters to you. Well, and we have, you make it sound a little bit like everybody's just sitting at home, you know, reconstructing things, because 
we have a son who has started a brand new business and he is really working his tail off every day, but he is doing it from home. So he has so much more time with his kids, more than he has been all over the world setting up this company and we're crossing our fingers on this. So, you know, it's not that everybody's um, living in La La Land. The world still goes on and there are so many stresses and so many people have lost jobs. So many people have been laid off, and so there are extra worries, but at the same time, they're worrying at home <laughs> instead of, you know, at the, um, sometimes the bar or, yeah. you know, somewhere else. Yeah, but I really want to underscore that, Linda. I mean, if maybe I even could have said it more dramatically. What if someone had said to you three or four months ago, just to you, just you individually, hey, how would you like to have two or three months uh, where your obligations are cut virtually in half or maybe al almost altogether eliminated. How would you like to have two or three months where where you really f have time, more time than you've ever had before, and less things impinging on your time, less demands, less less obligations, less places to go, less things to do, and and to take that time to do a serious midlife evaluation or a serious reassessment of how you're living and how you want to live. Would you like that? And I think most of us would have said, wow, I, that, that, would, that would be fantastic. That would be wonderful. Now, I know I'm over-dramatizing, and, and it, it doesn't, that doesn't mitigate for the fact that you may have a grandparent who dies or you may have a a friend who, who succumbs to this illness, or you may have those you love who are very, very sick. No one would ever wish for that. But there is this positive side to it. And I think, and I think this is what we're saying, Linda, so much of that positivity has to do with our families and with our relationships, if we want it to, if we want that to be our focus during this time. And it is a rare opportunity. It is rare. And in more uh, spiritual words, I think we just need to have hope. Um, we just had a general conference in our church, a worldwide conference. And the thing that there are so many beautiful thoughts and so many uh, uplifting things. But the thing that I went away with as far as the pandemic is concerned was the word hope. Um we have a man who we love very much, Neil Maxwell, who at one time said, a synonym for hope is optimism. And I think, you know, it doesn't do any good to say, woe is me, and this is gonna never going to end, and where is it going to end, although we have said that. Yeah, we have. Um, but um, it is just really so important to have hope and, and to be optimistic about this. It's not going to last forever. It could last for a long time, but it's not going to last forever. Well, and it's not completely novel. It's good to remind ourselves of that. C.S. Lewis wrote an essay at one point about how to live in the atomic age. He wrote it during the Cold War. And he said, the, the first thing, you know, how do you live knowing that tomorrow a bomb could drop in your life? And he said, well, first of all, don't think it's too novel. People have been having crises of this magnitude, although they all differ, uh, from the Spanish flu. And he listed a whole lot of other things. And he said, life is always in peril. And the measure of a man, of a person, is always by how he lives within that peril. And so we're all being tested right now.
but there are still findings. And, and our hope for you and for us, and we were so blessed to have this wedding to help us along this, our hope for you and for us is that we make this a family time and we come out of it stronger than we went into it. And we hope that you'll join us in this worldwide prayer, if it's not today, and maybe you're not even hearing this until the next day, but it really is so important to look to God for our answers and for our comfort. So we wish you the very best in our love, and we'll see you next week on Hires on the Road.